Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing really good, thanks. Great. Exciting, exciting life. We did uh, one fun thing. I think you'll appreciate this story. You know, my son's been obsessed with presidents, so that's yes. like... <laughs> Yes, no, I've told Mandy, just he knows all the presidents, he knows their order, when they're born, when they like were in office, it's crazy. But he's been obsessed with uh, planets for a long time. So today we're like, we got to do something outside. It's really beautiful down here. And so my son is wants to bring this yellow egg and this uh, lime to represent the earth and the sun on this walk thing. So he's like, we have to put this sun down and then we have to walk for eight minutes and put the earth down. So we're like, okay. And like, you know how he is. So it's, you got to do it like that. So we go to this like abandoned golf course thing, but uh, kind of near <laughs> us and we do this. So we walk all the way there and I have my like watch tracking us and it's like a mile or, or no, it's like three quarters of a mile to do that. Right. We get there, we drop it. You can't see the sun. So you have no real knowledge of it and he's like okay now we go back and so we go back but he wanted to leave the lime there and I should have known that that was gonna backfire <laughs> we get back and he's like okay and now we need to go get oh, the earth no. I'm like are you freaking <laughs> <kidding me?"> <laughs> <laughs> so 
we walked like over two miles with a fake earth and a fake sun that you couldn't see two different times. And my husband called me after and he's like, I just realized what we did. And that's the dumbest thing I think we ever <laughs> done before. <laughs> I, I love Just, it. I love it. I know. I love it. Is. I love how he is. He's so exact and precise about everything that he mm-hmm. does. And, and he has a plan, whether you know the plan or oh, not. Oh, yeah, there's a plan. He always has a plan. So that's so funny and awesome. I know. I- I just love the idea. Like when we got back, he's like, oh, we have to go back to get the earth. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) But you also know, like it will never, he'll never stop talking about the earth. So I can walk the, you know, almost a mile again or (laughs) or hear about it all night. I made the right choice. I'm exhausted, but I made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. So we just also had President's Day and was that, that must've been very exciting at your house because I know you've been telling me all about the saga with him um, just being very (laughs) obsessed with President's and knowing everything about them. So he was, he must have been very excited for President's Day. We legitimately celebrated President's Day. I had the new poster, which has every president on there now. And so we, he was super pumped about that. We made little president cupcakes. It's just the most like, I'm like, this is my life. It's just so (laughs) weird. Like we barely acknowledge Valentine's Day and President's Day. It's just like the most amazing (laughs) holiday in the world. It's just hilarious. (laughs) But rarely do his obsessions fall in line with national holidays. So I'm like, we got to do this one. Right. We have to celebrate this one. It's a lot of fun over here. It's perfect. That's perfect. I know. I love him. He's such a sweetie. I love him. He is. He's a lot of fun and not exhausting whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. All right. So moving on to um, the episode this week, you commonly hear the word hero when talking about people in our society that dedicate their lives to the field of healthcare and to helping others. And in most cases, I would say that is true. Doctors, nurses, specialists in all fields of medicine, they really are somebody's everyday hero. People who go into this kind of work are really a special kind. The vast majority of healthcare workers are in this profession for the right reasons, and they genuinely care for the health and well-being of their patients. And really just the idea that a doctor or nurse would rather be doing something else with their time is pretty scary, right? Because, of course, you want to be under the care. Yeah, you want to be under the care of somebody who actually cares. And you need to be able to trust the people that you're putting your health and sometimes your life in the hands of. Unfortunately, for decades, there have been what you might call bad seeds in the field of medicine, and there have been numerous horrifying cases of doctors or nurses killing their patients on purpose rather than helping them survive. And if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you may have even heard of the podcast called Dr. Death, which has two seasons, and each one tells the story of how a medical professional used their position for harm. Melissa, is that one that you listened to, Dr. Death? The first uh, season I did, and it was very hard to listen to, only because it's it's terrifying. The idea of all of this is so scary. You're like, if I don't listen to it, it can't really happen to right. me. And then that's how I try to live my life. It's not a great, it's not healthy. Right. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it really is pretty creepy when you think about how easy it would really be if somebody were so inclined and they were in that profession yeah. to take advantage of it. Because these are people who have the knowledge and the education, and they also have the access to powerful drugs. So it's really quite scary thinking about, you know, that power being in the wrong hands. 
So today's episode is about a shocking case of serial murder that took place in the early to mid-90s in Clinton, Indiana, where dozens of patients died under the care of a licensed practical nurse named Orville Lynn Majors. There's not a ton of information about Orville Lynn Majors before his life in nursing, but he was born on April 24th, 1961 in Linton, Indiana. His father was Orville Sr., and he was a coal miner, and his mother's name was Anna. Friends said that Orville was really like just this big teddy bear. He was a really likable guy and was always laughing and always making people feel better. In 1987, Orville was just 26 years old, and he moved in with a man named Andrew Harris. The two of them lived together until December of 1995, which was about eight years later, and Andrew Harris will come up later in the story. In 1989, Orville graduated from Nashville Memorial School of Practical Nursing, and he started working in the ICU at Vermilion County Hospital, which we'll call VCH through most of the episode. This hospital was really pretty tiny. There were only uh, 56 beds at this hospital. Four of them were ICU beds. In Clinton, Indiana, there was only 5,000 people, so that's not unheard of for a hospital this small. And he worked there until 1991, until he left for a higher-paying job in Tennessee. He worked in Tennessee for a few years, and then he went back to VCH in 1993. He was really a very popular nurse among the elderly patients. They said he was very tender and gentle with them, and he kind of looked at you know these elderly patients more as his children His evaluations were really great, and he even had this reputation for being very compassionate and very kind. But was he really that tender and gentle with his patients, or was this all just an act? In early 1995, coworkers started noticing something really strange. For one, the ICU deaths were up, and not just a little. They were way up, and they noticed that there was this high number of patients who died while Orville was on duty. So in the past years before he was there, the deaths were overall a lot lower. Uh, For example, in 1990, 29 out of 394 ICU patients died. In 1991, 24 out of 324. 92, 25 out of 356. 93, 31 out of 341. But in 1994, when Orville's there, 101 out of 351 patients died in the ICU. And so that's around 28%, and that's compared to what it was before, around 9% of the ICU patients had died. So that's definitely a big difference. Yeah, a huge difference. And that's a very noticeable difference because when somebody's passing away in the ICU, the staff is going to feel it. That's going to be a very difficult thing. You know, it's not right. just another day at the office. They've lost somebody. It's, it's a hard thing for them. And you can imagine, like you know, there was a pattern here. It was around 30 people a year that were dying in the ICU. And so you imagine like they expect that number of deaths. And that's kind of what you would typically expect to see just in the course of working in medicine and working in the ICU. Um, And then to just all of a sudden have it go to three times that amount would definitely be alarming. Yeah, it's like every time you're on a shift, somebody's dying, that would just knock the wind right out of you. So prior to 1994, as we were talking about, the average was about 30 ICU deaths per year. And in 1994, 101. That's, you know, three times as much, which is, of course, extremely alarming. There was an RN named Dawn Styrick, and she and other nurses began to become very suspicious. So they started looking at the attendance charts in the ICU. And they noticed that Orville was on duty for more of these deaths than anyone else. And there's a quote that says, almost twice as many as the nearest contender. 
So on March 7th, 1995, Dawn gathers this information and she shares it with the hospital president and CEO, a man by the name of John Link. Two days later, John suspends Orville with pay and doesn't tell him why he's being suspended. Just, you know, you need to go home. You're off right now. You're suspended. We're still paying you. That's about it. And then after that, John calls the police. So the hospital staff was really scrambling to keep this news quiet. At this point, it's all rumors. They don't really have a lot of solid information. All they have is this suspicion that there's a lot of patients dying at this hospital. And it's always when this particular nurse is on staff. So the nurses at the hospital, the other nurses, are all really outraged. And they want to speak out and tell their stories and talk about what they have seen and what they know about working with Orville. And they were really worried at the time that they would actually be fired if they spoke out because, of course, the hospital is trying to keep this all quiet. There is nothing worse for a hospital, I would say, than bad press. You definitely don't want to have the media reporting, you know, like that, hey, there is potentially somebody on staff at this hospital that is harming patients on purpose because – Nobody is going to want to go to there if that, you know, if that kind of news comes out. So you don't want to have that getting out into the world. So these nurses felt like they were silenced. So some of the nurses that worked at the hospital got together and decided to write an anonymous letter to the editor. And they accused the hospital that they worked for of covering up what they called a real Dr. Kevorkian. So before too long, the attorney general started investigating this hospital, and they did find proof of misconduct on Orville's part. So they asked the Indiana State Board of Nursing to suspend his license while they just did this investigation. The Board of Nursing voted to suspend his license for 90 days, which was the minimum that was required so that they would not have to notify Orville of the suspension. I'm not really clear on why they would do this. Um, They wanted to... I don't really yeah. understand why they would do why would you want to do it in a way where you didn't have to tell them? It doesn't really make sense to me because it seems like you would want to notify them right away that their nursing license was suspended. Um, but they didn't want to do that. So they opted not to tell Orville about his suspension, but they did tell the news media. So John Ling later informed Orville that he was going to now be suspended without any pay. But this type of investigation into what he was being accused of, of course, would take a lot of time, you know, to prove and just to kind of sort out. There's a lot of patients. They have to go through patient records and patient files and just try to find out, you know, what exactly is going on here. So to prevent possible future negligent deaths, the attorney general filed for the permanent revocation of Orville's license. And he alleged that Orville had, quote, performed certain tasks without the direction or supervision from a registered nurse or doctor. So he was given another 90-day suspension for unsupervised working habits, and it's kind of thought that this, you know, they went this route because this was easier to prove than the deaths at this point. So they're trying to find anything they can just to have a grounds to revoke his license, you know, so that while they're investigating this, nobody else, you know, has to to die on the clock while he's on the clock. So Orville then fired a federal lawsuit and claimed that the board had suspended his license due to bias and prejudice, and he wanted damages. So the lawsuit um, was actually denied due to lack of evidence because he didn't really have any proof that they were, you know, doing him wrong in any way. So that lawsuit was actually dropped. And on December 18th of that year, his license was suspended for a minimum of five years. So at this point, Orville packed his things and he moved back to his hometown of Linton. 
he opened a pet store there and kind of in this process of, you know, trying to make himself, I guess, look better in the media because they were kind of talking about it. Um, He started going on talk shows and he went on Montel Williams and a show called Donahue to talk about his innocence and just kind of explain, you know, hey, I'm innocent. I I don't know why these things happened at the hospital I worked at, but I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm being wrongly accused of these things and it's just terrible. So he was going on national TV and proclaiming his innocence really before the story even before the story even kind of blew up. So that's that's a wild way to do it to kind yeah. of keep the <laughs> the eyes off of you to go to the national media. I looked up, you know, interviews with him from Montel Williams and Phil Donahue and I didn't see anything. So I hate when things like that are in the archives so tight and there's just I'm like how has nobody got even a single clip of this from, I know. You know a few years ago. I I find that and I know I um text you about this this week right. where I just could not believe like that I had tried to find more um video and stuff on this case and there just wasn't and like you said it's all archives and I'm like this is the internet and we are in 2021 how is everything <laughs> not available that I want to find so yeah some stuff is really hard to find but I would have been interested to see what he had to say on those shows, like to watch him yeah. say it, because that's just kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. So meanwhile, the officials were spending millions of dollars to start this investigation and find out exactly what was going on and whether or not there was a legitimate sinister link between Orville and the high number of patient deaths at this hospital. The investigation ended up taking nearly three years, and through the course of it, there was a lot that was discovered. Police and medical professionals both worked together on the investigation, and medical personnel reviewed the patient files from 1991 to 1996. And during the 22 months that Orville worked there, there were 147 patients from the ICU that passed away. He was on staff for 121 of them. So something is definitely not right there. Right. So more alarming was that when Orville was on the clock, a death actually occurred every 23.1 hours. That means a patient was dying every single day that he was on shift. And when he wasn't working, deaths only occurred every 551.6 hours. So you can see there's definitely something going on here. That statistic blows my mind. I mean, Me that too. is insane. Yeah. So that meant that if Orville was working that day, statistically, the risk of somebody dying was 43 times higher than if he was not working. So the police started digging deeper into the medical charts of those who did die at the ICU while Orville was working. And as they're investigating, they really notice that these patterns are beginning to emerge. Patients who died on Orville's watch all really had similar EKG strip results. These results were consistent with excessive potassium being in the system. Excessive potassium suppresses the electrical activity in the heart, and this can cause death. Potassium chloride in proper doses can regulate your heartbeat. In large doses, though, it's fatal. Worst of all, It's hard to tell whether someone was given excessive potassium chloride because of the level of potassium normally found in the body after death. Experts also found that these patients had sudden high blood pressure readings with absolutely no history of high blood pressure before, you know, just in the few minutes before they died, all of a sudden their blood pressure is shot up. Patients who died when Orville was not working 
didn't show these same patterns. So they knew it had to be something, you know, some correlation with him. It's not just everyone in this hospital ends up having high blood pressure. It's right. like, no, just these people. So the patients who died on his watch really were all doing fine. A lot of them were improving and they were stable. And then out of nowhere, they'd be dead. It was found that from July 1994 to December of 1994, the mortality rate in the ICU reached epidemic levels. And the ICU where he was working is the only area of the hospital with increased deaths. And Orville was the only hospital employee who was associated with all the extra deaths. So anywhere from 10 to 14 people per month died in ICU over these six months. And Orville was working for all but three of those deaths. Whoa. So suspicion is obviously mounting like to a fever pitch, you know, all eyes are on Orville. So they end up having 15 bodies exhumed to have their deaths further investigated. But police were really just kind of learning what these nurses on staff had already known. They had long felt that there was some kind of connection between the deaths and Orville. And this is really kind of easy to figure out if they're doing this research themselves and like, wow, a lot of people are dying. Wow, this one guy seems to be there. It's not <laughs> it's not crazy. Right. It, you know, it doesn't seem that difficult for them to have put it together. Nothing against them, just saying like for the police to get involved and it's taken so long, it's just like, whoa, you know. So there's a nurse named Martha Starkey, and she said that the coincidence was alarming enough that the staff even joked about it, specifically that Orville was a common link. The thing I kind of took from this is that ICU, it's kind of, I feel like you kind of have to have a dark sense of humor. For sure. Not really about specific things, but you have to be able to deal with death a lot. And I feel like those kind of people just are a little darker. I don't think if they specifically knew he's going in those rooms and killing people, they would be making a joke. But it's like, this is weird. You know, this is weird. And if he's like the angel of death or whatever, not saying they said that, but that's kind of where it took my mind. Like, it's not weird to me that they may have said things, you know, just that were a little bit darker. Right. And but and when also when you're in the when you're in the field of nursing, I feel like like you said, you most people are in it for the right reasons. And the idea of somebody, one of their colleagues doing this would be horrifying even to them if they thought that it was actually true. So it's like it's almost like a defense mechanism where they're like, okay, this is a little weird, but that's not going to be their first thought, you know, that he is intentionally harming these patients. They're going to be thinking, you know, he's also, he's one of us. He's a healthcare worker. He's here to help these ICU patients. Um, You know, I can see how they would be like, yeah, this is a little, you know, strange. And they would have off, you know, around the hospital jokes about it, but not actually think that it was, that was really what was going on. Yeah. And they're dealing with all of this death too. They're dealing with these families, you know, comforting these families, being with these families, thinking people are getting better and they're dying. I can't even imagine how traumatic this whole experience is for them. There's no way that your first thing is like, oh, that guy's definitely going in there and killing people behind our backs. That right. It's just, <laughs> that's not going to come to your brain. So there was one emergency room technician who would work the same shifts as Orville and also was noticing these alarming rates of deaths during her shifts. And this one nurse, I felt so bad for her, Sharon Calvert, at one point she questioned her own nursing ability. She actually went to a head doctor and she expressed concern to him that so many of her patients were dying. And she thought it was really odd that they all had respiratory arrest and then they had an arrhythmia. Um, Normally, it's the other way around, arrhythmia, and then the respiratory arrest would follow it. So the more people that the police spoke to, the more really horrific this whole picture became. And it seemed like really everyone who worked really closely with Orville felt kind of weird about it at some point in time. 
There was an x-ray tech named Thomas, and he noticed that people died on weekends and around shift changes when Orville arrived. Patients would be just fine when the previous shift nurse left, only to discover that they died later that day. In one case, one of the nurses left Orville with a patient while she just went to get a unit of blood. She's gone five minutes, and she returns, and Orville says the patient just died. And Nurse Calvert always noticed that these patients would mysteriously die when she was on her lunch break, and Orville was the only one in the ICU alone, which was normal for him to be left unattended because his job doesn't require direct supervision. They've got to take lunches. It's a small hospital. You right. know, there's, there's only so much they can do. And we are going to get back into so many more details of this story after one quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're missing your workout routine and favorite instructors, we get it. Sure, there are some at-home alternatives, but they're not really the same as the classes you love and miss. But now, with the SoulCycle at-home bike, you can turn your home into a SoulCycle studio. You guys, the SoulCycle at-home bike comes with a 21-inch touchscreen with a sound system that was literally designed for this bike, and it's ready to play all of SoulCycle's iconic playlists. With the SoulCycle bike, you have unlimited access to both live and on-demand SoulCycle classes where you can be instantly transported to the front row of the studio on your schedule and with your favorite instructors. Plus, you can get your SoulCycle at-home bike in just one to three weeks, and they have financing options available to make hitting your goals even more achievable. The monthly membership includes unlimited access to the Equinox Plus app, where you can stream classes from other top-tier brands like Equinox, Rumble, TB12, and Pure Yoga. And I am absolutely obsessed with the Equinox Plus app. This week, I used the app to take the athletic conditioning class with Andrew Slane. I was able to get a high-intensity, high-energy, great workout in without any weights or equipment, all for my living room. Get your SoulCycle at-home bike today by visiting mysoulcyclebike.com moms and use promo code moms to get a free pair of at-home cycling shoes with your purchase. That's mysoulcyclebike.com moms, promo code moms, to get a free pair of cycling shoes with the purchase of your SoulCycle at-home bike. mysoulcyclebike.com moms, promo code moms. You've heard us talk about Third Love for a while now, and if you still have yet to take the plunge to try them out, maybe this will be the week for you. Third Love is all about making the perfect bra for you, not the other way around. Third Love has recently launched The Fitting Room, and it's their new and improved version of the quiz that 18 million of us have taken and loved. The Fitting Room quiz focuses on size, breast shape, your current fit issues, plus your personal style, so they can show you the bras and underwear that are perfect for you. Third Love is always adding new styles and colors, and their recent addition that I'm super excited about is their Ombre Mesh Collection. It's obsession-worthy. The Ombre Mesh Collection has a throwback look, but with a modern feel. It's silky layered mesh, but gets the vintage treatment in this timeless new collection. Plus, every Third Love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no-slip straps, and a scratch-free band from cups AA to I, including half cups, and bands 30 to 48. My third love bra is the most comfortable and best fitting bra I've ever owned, so much so that I now own three. And thanks to the ombre mesh, it's soon to be four. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 20% off today. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were just getting into all of the kind of suspicious things that were going on while nurse Orville Lynn Majors was working um, his shift in the ICU. 
So the investigators are finally getting a hold of all this information. They're trying to put it together and find out what exactly is going on here. Why are there so many deaths occurring in this ICU when this particular nurse is on shift? So as the investigators continue to dig into this, they find out from one of Orville's friends that there were some other things in his personal life even that seemed to be going kind of awry at this time. They found out that he allegedly had this major personality change around July 1994, which was coincidentally when all of these mysterious deaths started happening. Allegedly, according to his friend, Orville started shooting meth. And nurses and other co-workers also noticed that he had this change in personality that his friend had mentioned. They said that he was irritable, he was wild-eyed, and he would become uncontrollably angry at times when he received criticism or heard, you know, anything that he didn't want to hear from his peers or from his superiors. So they also started noticing around this time, around July, that there were shortages of medications at the hospital. They noticed that they were coming up short on epinephrine, potassium, and other prescription drugs. And from what the other nurses at this hospital said, it really wasn't that hard to take drugs from this hospital because the pharmacy area was very lax and very open to employees of the hospital. So if you had a badge and if you had credentials, you could easily just walk right into this pharmacy and nobody was really paying a lot of attention to you. So you could easily grab what you wanted out of there and just take it right out, which it kind of surprises me. Maybe not so much at this time because this was in the 90s, but I feel like now there's cameras everywhere. So it kind of, you have to remember like back in 1994, there wasn't like surveillance of everything, every location that you're at. But like now I feel like you would say, how come they didn't see this on cameras or, you know, wasn't anybody paying attention to him? But at this time, it was very easy to get away with just walking in there and taking out, you know, prescription medications, especially if you worked there and if you were a nurse. So Orville had been seen at work even with syringes and needles that he really should not have had. Um, You know, he was caught with these things and under what was considered suspicious circumstances. And, you know, it was also found out through this investigation that multiple people saw Orville carrying around this black pouch with a zipper that was allegedly full of syringes and needles. And there were multiple people who confirmed that they saw that he had this. One of his patient's sons actually claimed that he saw Orville take a syringe out of this black pouch that he carried, and he injected the patient's father with it. What was alarming about this was that whatever he gave this patient, he did not log it on the patient's chart. Hmm. So, Yeah. So according to Orville's friend, um, he was actually stealing these packaged syringes from the hospital and he was taking them and using them to inject himself with methamphetamines and possibly other drugs. More stories about Orville's connection to several of the deaths started to emerge. A woman named Rhonda Culpepper, who was a housekeeper at the hospital, saw Orville take his black pouch into a patient room and inject her as well. And 15 minutes later, that particular patient was dead. So the patient was an elderly woman, and her granddaughter later said that Orville gave the woman tranquilizers without being authorized to do so. Another hospital housekeeper told the investigators that she once heard Orville saying to, quote, let the patient die when they were pushing their button and trying to call for a nurse for help. So this obviously does not look good. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. The other circumstances, you never want to hear that a nurse is saying these kinds of things. You don't even want to hear that as hearsay, you know, that anybody else has heard this person saying those kind of things, because 
that's not what you, um, that's not okay. That's not okay. If you are in that profession, you don't want to hear somebody talking negatively about their patients or even joking, you know, even joking and saying things like that. So in addition to all of this, Orville was also known for his really awful and hateful attitude towards his patients, which I guess this was kind of an underground thing that people knew or they kind of picked up on because, you know, like we said in the beginning, he was known as being very kind and very gentle and very dedicated to his career. But come to find out through this investigation, maybe he wasn't quite just that because the people who worked closely with him were saying, no, you know what? He actually didn't really have a great attitude about working here. He didn't have a great attitude toward his patients um, or their families for that matter. Wow. Yeah, he actually would call their families, quote, a bunch of whiners, and he would say derogatory things about them, like they were white trash or they were dirt, um, and he would just make terrible comments about the patients themselves. Um, One of his things that he did commonly was he would make fun of people that were in poverty, and uh, and one of the most terrible stories, um, the employees were conducting a safety inspection in the ICU on November 15th, 1994, And when they walked in, Orville was in the ICU alone and there was a woman there. And when they walked in, she was alert. She was sitting up in bed, but she was coughing. And these employees, you know, they asked Orville, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? What are you up to? And he replied that he was, quote, just sitting here waiting for her to die. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine hearing that and just being like, I don't know what to Uh, even think about that? Right. and the patient is in the room. So the patient is probably even like, what do you mean? I'm not dying. Like, what are you talking right. about? You know, like, that's terrifying to hear him say something like that. So he then walked over to the monitor and said, come on, baby, come on. And he called for assistance before anything even happened. But then shortly after the other employees left the ICU, they heard this code blue called over the hospital, um, you know, speaker and the patient that was in the ICU with him had actually died. And this was despite, as I said, being fine and sitting up and talking minutes earlier and other employees of the hospital even witnessed that this person was totally fine. So a former friend of Orville's named Paul told investigators that Orville said he hated old people and even said that, quote, they should all be gassed. And others even confirmed this thought process of Orville's. They also said that they heard Orville say that the elderly were a waste and that he didn't think they were worthy. And oh my gosh, this part of the story just makes me so angry. Really the whole story, because the majority of the patients that became victims of Orville were elderly people. And oh my gosh, one of the things that really enrages me so much, I think we've even talked about it before on the podcast, is when the elderly get taken advantage of, I just... Don't have any patience oh, for that. Yeah. That's one of the things where I'm just like, no, absolutely not. I have a hard line there where like you just don't do yeah. that. You don't take advantage of the elderly like that. That's crazy. No. In October of 1996, police had enough to search the house that Orville had previously shared with the man that we mentioned earlier in the story, Andrew Harris. And this is what they kind of found in their investigation and looking through his house. They found six vials of potassium chloride. They found multiple empty boxes of epinephrine, and that's typically for asthma and food allergies. We carry EpiPens around um, for my son. They found two containers of nitroglycerin, and this helps treat and prevent chest pain, six vials of Prevental, and this is an inhaler medication, two vials of Broncosol, which is an inhaler type of medication, a vial of Ventolin, another asthma or breathing medication, 
multiple empty bags that are being labeled as prescriptions from the hospital. I'd like to say, keep in mind, Mandy and I do not really have medical degrees. So if we say these words wrong, we're really trying and we are very <laughs> we might sorry. butcher them. Yes. <laughs> There's some of them I say with very little confidence. And so most of these items that they did find at his house, though, were on this list of things that had been coming up short at the hospital. And there is no reason for him to have any of these drugs that aren't being prescribed to him. And potassium chloride in particular was very, very sketchy for him to have. Potassium chloride is used in medication very, very carefully to treat specific issues such as low blood potassium. And the human body needs a delicate balance of potassium. Low potassium, if you have low potassium, you have muscle cramps, weakness, abnormal heart rhythm, kidney problems. I was in the hospital once and my potassium was crazy low and I was having like weird kidney stuff. And it's very painful actually to get potassium injections, but it's like, it's a weird thing that you don't even know that that's really an issue just day to day. I wouldn't think I'd be like, oh, I should right. eat a banana, but that's obviously not how it works. And your body works really hard to keep things level. But then if you have high potassium in your body, it can cause nausea, vomiting, trouble breathing, chest pain, irregular heartbeat, and in high doses, death. So potassium chloride is actually the method of lethal injection in some cases. When someone's given a high dose of potassium chloride, um, they can go unconscious, their breathing stops, and their heart will go into arrhythmia, which causes death by cardiac arrest. It's an approved and legal means of execution in the U.S. and several other countries. So police continue to gather evidence, and they even searched Orville's parents' van that he was using at the time. And in that van, they found three containers of potassium chloride. So their working theory was really that Orville's just been poisoning his patients to death with this potassium. Really, all signs point to this. And it's still hard to prove this, though, because victims that die of probable potassium overdose, it's hard to identify this post-mortem. So they're, this is what they think is happening, but even in autopsies, they might not be able to tell because it's almost impossible to see it. So now we're going to talk about some of these specific cases that they looked into. As we said, there were over 100 patients who died on um, Orville's watch while he was on the clock. And of course, we're not going to go into details about all of the 100 patients, but there were um, a specific set of patients that were investigated um, in order to build a case against Orville. So we're going to talk about those patients. So the first one was a lady named Luella Hopkins, and she was admitted to the hospital at 5.05 p.m. on December 24th, 1993, so Christmas Eve, and she was being monitored for pneumonia-related issues. But by January 8th, her pneumonia was cleared, and she was doing really well, and she was going to be released very soon. At the time that she spent at the hospital, she shared a room with another patient named Georgia, so Orville actually came in the room at around 2.25 p.m. on January 9th, which was just shortly before Luella was supposed to be going home. And Georgia, the woman that was in the room with her, um, was kind of witnessing all of the things that were going on prior to Luella's discharge. So Orville came in the room around 2.25 p.m. on January 9th and told Luella that he was going to give her an injection. And Georgia said that she heard Luella let out a big sigh and then Orville left the room. And what she didn't know was that he had just done something to Luella and he went right to the nurse's station and said, hey, there's a problem in room 220. So nurse Jackie Donald went in and then found Luella gasping for air 
and she stopped breathing at 2.28 p.m. just three minutes later after Orville was in there, and she was pronounced dead. She was 89 years old, and there were no shots or injections that had been ordered for her by a doctor. Her autopsy revealed that there was no medical cause for her death, and it was believed that Orville injected her with something that suppressed her heart's electrical activity. The next patient that they looked into was Cecil Smith. On April 2nd, 1994, Cecil was admitted at 2.20 p.m. with pneumonia, and Orville was asked to help a nurse's aide bathe the patients and give them their medications this day. At 11.50 a.m. on April 3rd, Cecil had a seizure, but he recovered, and then he was moved to the ICU for observation. At the time, Orville was the only person working in the ICU, and within three minutes of Cecil being there, his blood pressure spiked. There was no history of high blood pressure, but his reading was sky high at 229 over 158. And we all know, you know, normal blood pressure is 120 over 80. So this level is definitely like you're in cardiac arrest. You need emergency treatment. Right. So, yeah. So Cecil, it was interesting in this case. And this may have been the reason that the that the investigators chose to look into this case, because Cecil, um, while he was in the hospital, he was already having his potassium monitored by the doctors. And so normal levels of potassium in your body, a normal reading would be what they say is um, 3.5 to 4.5. So when they take your blood and they get the readings back, if you ha- if you're between 3.5 to 4.5, then you're in normal range. So at 12.38 p.m., Cecil's potassium level registered at 3.9, which is right in the normal range. And then at 2.19 p.m., it was registered at 6.8, which is really high. At 3.27 p.m., it was 4.9, which is still high, but it's coming back down. But then at 3.51 p.m., Cecil died. So there was no medical reason found for his death, just like there wasn't for the previous victim. And they really, you know, there was, when they did the autopsy, they said there's no medical cause that this person would have died. There was nothing that showed, you know, that he had an actual heart attack or anything. But then they also couldn't find anything in his system that would explain his death. So the medical team did believe that his sudden high blood pressure and EKG changes were consistent with the possibility that he was injected with epinephrine and potassium. So the next patient was Dorothy Hickson. And she was admitted at 1.55 p.m. on April 23rd, 1994. And she just came in for a routine visit to relieve some fluid that accumulated on her lungs. This was something that she did. She visited the hospital for this procedure on a regular basis. And when she arrived in the hospital, she was not in bad condition. She was not in any immediate danger. As I said, this is just a routine visit. But she was transferred to the ICU just to monitor her condition, you know, after she had this procedure done. Dorothy's two daughters named Betty and Paula were asked to wait in the waiting room while their mom was transferred to the ICU. About 30 minutes later, Orville came out and said, you know, hey, your mom has suffered either a heart attack or a stroke. We're not really sure, but now she's going into a coma. So you two ladies might want to go in and see her. So, of course, these women are shocked because they just brought their mom. She was totally fine. And now they're being told, you know, something's seriously wrong with her. So they went into the room and they saw that their mom was coherent. She was fine. She was talking. She was moving. And everything seemed like, you know, she's going to be okay. Um, But then, and this is really, really shocking, Orville 
um, is in the room and he's pretending to carry out, you know, normal nursing duties. Anybody who's been in a hospital knows, you know, sometimes the nurse comes in your room and she's moving around and she's doing different things and she's messing with your, the things that are hooked up to you and just doing normal things. So they're thinking, you know, he's in here taking care of our mom. He's doing his everyday activities. Um, but one of the daughters noticed that Orville injected something into Dorothy's IV and then Orville leaned down and kissed Dorothy's forehead and said, quote, everything is going to be all right now, pumpkin, end quote. <sighs> and within one minute, Dorothy was dead. He literally killed this woman while her daughters were in oh the room gosh. with him. I just cannot with some of these accounts of how this went down because it yeah. was so blatant and so obvious and so just he didn't even care, you know, that he right. was doing this right in front of their family members. It's just terrible and oh so sad. Um, so again, an autopsy revealed that there was no organic cause of death in her case. Um, her EKG showed that she had a normal rhythm to she went to having no rhythm, you know, within just a minute. And this is consistent with a potassium overdose. So during the time that Orville was alone with Dorothy, her blood pressure spiked suddenly, which was something, as we said before, um, was really commonly found in, in patients that he was treating. And we're going to talk about a few more of these shocking cases after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Planning dinner is stressful. Planning one of the biggest moments in your life, there's not even a word for that kind of stress. But it doesn't have to be that way, thanks to Zola. Join over 1 million couples who have planned their weddings with Zola. Zola has created a one-stop shop for everything couples need all in one place, from wedding vendors to save the dates, plus invitations, free websites, the all-important registry, and more. Back when I was getting married, just finding a venue meant calling tons of numbers and emailing various vendors just to get through step one. With Zola, you can fast-track your search for the right venue, photographer, and more. All vendors you find through Zola are pre-screened, which means you cut back on all the back and forth with vendors who aren't really a good fit for you. Plus, you get personalized recommendations based on your style and budget. This alone would have saved me so much time and hassle from the jump. But Zola doesn't stop there. You can create a beautiful and free wedding website with things like a frequently asked questions section, information about the big day, and access to your registry. Speaking of the registry, Zola literally takes the cake by having the most fun and easy to use registry. And you aren't limited with your registry. You can register for things you need around the house or even cool experiences, plus cash funds all in one place. There's even smart tools that simplify every step of your registry right down to writing those thank yous after the big day. Go to Zola.com slash moms today and use promo code SAVE50. That's SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get free personalized paper samples before you purchase. That's Zola.com slash moms, promo code SAVE50. I think we'd all agree that running to the store lately has been less than easy. And what's worse than forgetting something on your list? Having to head back out into the elements and making multiple trips. Grove Collaborative wants to help by making shopping for those home essentials simple and convenient. Grove takes all the guesswork out of going green. You can browse their easy-to-use site for literally thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products that you can rest assured knowing are all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, plus personal care products directly to me. Products like Grove Co.'s glass straws that I've been using in place of my old plastic straws and the Badger Balm SPF 40 Kids Clear Sport Sunscreen. Sunscreen is so important and I'm so excited to use this for my kids because it doesn't contain all those yucky chemicals that I can't pronounce like 
like some other brands. Grove saves me so much time by having everything I need in one easy to find place, saving me from having to go to multiple stores or search endlessly online to find all the natural goods I want for myself and my family. Do what we did and join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Plus, with Grove, shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. For a limited time, when our listeners go to grove.co mm, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co mm to get your exclusive offer. That's grove.co mm. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about some of the victims of Orville Majors and kind of how police were able to, you know, through this investigation, even figure out what really happened and who had been killed by Orville and you know, just kind of figuring out what was going on in this hospital. And so the next victim that police were really looking into was a woman by the name of Marianne Alderson. She was admitted around 1030 on November 5th, 1994, after complaining of chest pain after she was eating pizza and drinking beer. So the next day she was transferred to the ICU. We're not exactly sure why she moved to the ICU exactly, but her status was good. On November 7th, Marianne was looking forward to being discharged and going home. She even had a friend that visited her that afternoon and said she was really in good spirits. But at 4.40 p.m. that day, Orville called a code, and when nurses arrived in the room, they saw Orville cranking down Marianne's bed and holding a syringe. And there's literally no reason for him to be holding this syringe. And Marianne was pronounced dead at 5.11 p.m. that day. Mm. The next victim was a woman named Margaret Hornick, and she was 79 years old, and she was admitted after she had a fall at her nursing home, and she fractured her hip. 
she had surgery and then goes to the ICU. When I worked in orthopedics, that was like every other surgery that I like got information on from the hospital was always like a fall at a nursing home and a broken hip. It happened all the time. And so she has a surgery, goes to the ICU, and she's only in the ICU for nine minutes before she dies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And later she they find out that Orville had listed lidocaine on her chart, but there was not a doctor that had even ordered that. And there was no natural cause of death. The next was Freddie Wilson. He was admitted with pneumonia on February 15th, 1995, and was transferred to the ICU just a few hours later. Nurses on this shift in the ICU said he really wasn't having any chest pain or nausea, no wheezing, no shortness of breath, and he had been stable all night. But February 16th at 8 a.m., Orville takes over. At 10.15 a.m., Orville actually charts that Freddie was restless and suffering from chest pains, even though, you know, the day before he wasn't, which I know isn't unusual, but it's interesting in this story that, you know, all of a sudden he's writing, oh, this guy's having chest pains. Right. And five minutes later, he charted respiratory distress. And so Freddie's wife and his daughter were actually present. And Orville tells them, you know, I don't think he's going to make it. And oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. And at 1135, he, he's pronounced dead at 56 years old. And two other ICU patients died this same day, one at 1.14 p.m. and one at 1.21 p.m. Oh, my gosh. So three people died within two hours. And he's – I just – I don't even understand him. I mean, of course I don't understand him. But killing one person, then going to another room and killing another person, then going to another – just none of this makes any sense, obviously. Thank goodness it doesn't make sense because that would mean I was – (laughs) Right. I was not a good person. So the last one we're talking about today is a man by the name of Derek Maxwell Sr. He went to the hospital after he passed out at home, and he had a history of diabetes, coronary artery disease, bone infections, and kidney failure, and he actually needed four units of blood. And his wife sees Orville standing at Derek's bedside with IV tubes in hand, and when Orville sees her, he quickly scurries away. And Derek tells his wife, quote, something is going wrong, help me, end quote. And then he stops breathing. So doctors rush in and they were able to save him. But the next day, his wife sees Orville at his bedside again. And this time he passes away. Oh, my gosh. This story is so just heartbreaking. And just just to even think about this happening is so scary. Yeah. It's just beyond anything I can comprehend because – like we said in the beginning, when you go to a hospital or go to see a doctor for help, like you are expecting them to actually help you. And the and they idea do. that they would do. Yeah. But the idea that they would not do that is just so, oh my gosh, I can't even wrap my head around it. And these are people in the most vulnerable positions. And like you were talking about the elderly, like so many of the people that were in the ICU were elderly. So if they're dying, it's not it's not going to result in this investigation just if a few people die. You know what I mean? Like if it was a right. bunch of small children, of course, they'd notice immediately. But being elderly patients, he's able to get away with it for a whole lot longer. Right. So the patients that we just discussed were just a few of the dozens of patients that died at the hands of Orville Majors. Investigators and prosecutors only focused on the seven that we just mentioned um, for their case because these are the ones that have the strongest evidence to support their allegation that Orville was using potassium chloride to poison his patients to death. On September 8th, 1999, Orville finally went to trial. 
they actually moved the trial to another county and the jurors that they selected were sequestered. And the trial ended up lasting six weeks, which is a really, really Whoa. long time for a trial. I cannot think of a whole lot of trials that lasted six weeks. The only one that really comes to mind is the Casey Anthony trial, oh, yeah. um, which lasted six weeks and, of course, was highly publicized, especially here in Central Florida. But there aren't a lot of cases that go on. Um, there's not a lot of trials that last for six weeks. And that just goes to show how big of a case this was and how much evidence they had to present when it comes to all of these cases, you know, of these people dying and they have to yeah. prove that they died, you know, unnecessarily. They died at the hands of Orville. So this definitely takes a lot of time to present all this evidence. So it was six weeks long. And in the third week of the trial, the jurors were actually taken out fishing and they were supervised by officers and they were able to have a picnic and, um, you know, just kind of a way to break from the trial a little bit. And then two weeks later, they had the same experience again. They were taken out and they got to go fishing and have lunch. So the prosecutors alleged that the seven victims that we discussed today died unnatural deaths due to potassium chloride and or epinephrine overdose. The defense, of course, asserted that the deaths were all natural. You know, they said, hey, these people all came into the ICU, they were sick, they were ailing, and sadly they died, but that doesn't mean that our client had anything to do with their deaths. So the jury actually deliberated for three days, and on October 17th, they found Orville guilty of six of the murders, but they were deadlocked regarding the seventh one. So a mistrial was called just for that one charge. But for his conviction of the six murders, he received 60 years for each murder for a total of 360 years in prison. After his conviction, around 63 additional families filed proposed complaints with the Indiana Department of Insurance, and they alleged that the hospital's medical staff failed to provide proper peer review. Now, I know this gets into a little bit of controversy because obviously, as we said before, when you're a nurse and you're working in a hospital, you don't ever think that one of your colleagues is guilty of this kind of thing. But I did think in this case, when I was hearing that there were so many people who kind of were like, hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. This is weird. It was even to the point where they were kind of joking around about it and making bets on who was going to die. I feel like that kind oh, of gosh. tells me that there was a little bit more um, suspicion, you know, maybe the normal and I do kind of think maybe somebody should have spoken up before this point. But as we said, I don't know what it's like working in a hospital. And like you said, they do have a little bit of a darker sense of humor. And I really do think people are good and they think good of others. And so there's no reason why they would think, hey, our colleague is actually hurting our patients. But um, I can see where they would have grounds to kind of go on that and kind of say like there was not proper peer review because it does, you know, it does bring it into question in this case. So in their complaints, they said, quote, the Service of Medicine Committee at the hospital is responsible for peer review and monitoring admissions, discharges, and patient deaths. Its primary responsibility is to monitor the level of medical care being given at the hospital and to ensure that it is adequate, end quote. So the majority of these lawsuits, the 63 families that came forward, um, the majority of the lawsuits were settled with state compensation um, that was in a fund that was designed for this purpose for patients. And the hospital ended up being fined $80,000 for negligence and code violations due to all of the things that Orville did while he was working there. Um, Orville actually did die on September 24th, 2017. So not too long ago, 
He was found to be having breathing trouble in his cell in jail, and he actually died later that day from heart failure at the age of 56. But this story lives on and on, and I am just so shocked by this story. I was telling Melissa before we recorded that this story just enraged me so much because it's just so terrifying and you I and I feel like it's one of the situations where it's like an out of your control thing so when you go to the hospital you are very vulnerable you are in a state where you are there because you need help you're not in the hospital because you are you know are doing well you're in the hospital because you need somebody to help you and the idea that the people who are supposed to help you would turn on you and literally kill you is just so horrifying to me because there's nothing you can you can't do anything to predict that you can't do anything to prevent it if somebody is really that in the head they have that idea it's just very it's scary to think about that that's a possibility right and it goes against everything you're thinking this guy's a nurse he cares about people people even said you know at the beginning like you talked about he was a caring person or or that's how people perceived him to be and so then to go into this profession where you're helping people and that's kind of your goal and you that's the whole thing and you're in ICU of all places to be in ICU and you have to have you have to trust people in the ICU oh my gosh I don't know it just blows my mind because there's no other you wouldn't be in the you know an orthopedic office and have somebody get away with this it's going to be something like the ICU where people are just absolutely in need and totally dependent on good people taking care of them and stuff. And oh, it just bums me out. But we know that we know nurses, our friend Kim with People Are Wild. She's an awesome travel ER nurse and other nurses in our lives. And they're incredible. And so this is one of those like crazy cases where you just think, I know they're not all like this. This is like just the worst person to have been involved in nursing ever. (laughs) Like really. Oh my gosh. It's just terrifying. I know, I know. And um, just this week, I, um, <laughs> it's, it's not funny. It's funny in a not funny kind of way. But my husband actually had knee surgery this week. And so it was just a really quick day surgery. It was only going to be a few hours. I just had to drop him off in the afternoon. And then he was ready to be, you know, picked up right. a couple of hours later. But um, it was in the middle of when I was working on this episode. And, you know, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I have to drop you off now. And like, you're going to be put under anesthesia. And like, I don't know what's going to happen to you. And like, I had just done the research on this case. And so wasn't great time like freaking out. And like, yeah, you know, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I hope like nothing crazy happens yeah. to you while you're going to get the surgery. But it's like, it's scary to even have to think something like that, you know, to think that there are people out there who would even do something like this. Um, it's just all around like really scary, yeah. but yes, of course we know that that's not the majority oh, and we no. know that our nurses and doctors, they do care about us and love us and want to take care of us. And this story is definitely a one-off crazy situation right. that is not likely to happen, but oh my gosh, how scary to think about it. I know. And how many more like stories do we do over like husbands that murder their wives than nurses right. that kill their patients? So, I mean, so yeah, it's just one of those crazy things and it stays in your brain because it's just so it's such an oddity so oh goodness gracious I'm that was that was a lot not a great one to research the week your husband has surgery I will say that was right the timing of that was pretty rough (laughs) all right so to cleanse our palate then Melissa are you ready to move on to our last thing before we go I absolutely am okay so for last thing before we go this week we have 
I don't know. We have weird food. And I feel like we've done some weird food things before, but maybe not quite this one. Yeah. So this one is interesting because we're going to learn about things that people apparently like to eat, food combinations that are really strange. And we're going to talk about them and decide if we would actually eat these things or not. So I went online and Melissa went online and we both pulled some strange food combinations that people like to eat together. And we're going to say whether we would do it or not. Yeah. So Melissa, what do you have for me? Okay. And thank you to our friend Carly June, who kind of gave us this idea this week. Um, okay. So here's one. So all of mine are kind of like, I might do that. Um, but I'm going to start off a little We'll see. Okay. Mandy, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Scrambled eggs. Okay. With grape jelly. Think about it. Mm, Think about it. I might. I might. Right? Like, I might. I'll do a sausage so when biscuit I was, with yeah. jelly. Yeah. 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 So I'm down with sweet and savory. And when I was a kid, when me and my sister were kids, rather, um, she always used to eat scrambled eggs with maple syrup. And I always thought it was super mm. weird. But like, then I found out that people actually do that. And that's a whole thing. So then I didn't think she was that weird. Well, I mean, I still think she's weird. Sorry. But, <laughs> but, um, she, um, I can totally see grape jelly and scrambled eggs. If maple syrup goes with eggs, I think jelly can probably also go with eggs. I feel like maple syrup is one of those that accidentally gets on your eggs from like French toast. And then toast, you just don't care. Like, huh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So my first one that I think is really freaking weird that people apparently eat is strawberries with balsamic vinegar. I've heard of that one, but I feel like you get that in salad. I don't eat fruit on my salad. I don't eat salad, but oh, yeah. I don't have fruit on yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like Wendy's okay, makes okay. that. Okay. See, I was a hard no on this, but now that you said salad, I feel like I'm definitely in for it now with feta cheese and maybe even some more berries like blueberries and then also maybe some nuts. Okay. Actually, yes, I can get with this. That was I not a hard sure sell at, at first, all. But now I'm totally in for it. Oh gosh. <laughs> that was not a hard sell. Here's one my sister and I did as uh, kids. And tell me if you guys did this. We did, this is so gross, and I'm looking at a picture of it. Um, it's good, but butter and sugar sandwiches. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like basically a butter, a peanut butter and fluffer nutter. I mean, if you do that, like. Excuse the... me, watch your language. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I have never I heard like that. That's exactly what it is. It's a peanut butter and sugar sandwich when you have peanut butter and fluffer nutter together. Wait, what is that word? <laughs> You keep just saying it like it's a thing I know. I have never heard of that. What are you talking about? What? F what part do you not understand? The one I keep censoring in my head. The FN one. Fluffer nutter. Yes, stop saying it. There's children. Yes, marshmallow fluff. Okay, call it marshmallow fluff. I know what Wait, that I is. I think fluffer nutter is actually the name of the whole sandwich because that makes the most sense. It's fluff and nut. <laughs> That was a skeevy and. guy that named that one. That is weird. <laughs> it makes sense, but I'm not okay with it. I'm never. Oh, you just ruined butter and sugar sandwiches for me from that. Yeah. Ugh. I feel like that would be fine with me. Yeah, that one's good. <laughs> I just love like what a cavity that is waiting to happen that we're like, we're going to take right. bread and put butter on it and add sugar. And we would add sprinkles sometimes like to be fancy. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what do you have? Okay, so my next one is kind of similar, actually. Peanut butter on a burger. 
Mandy, I am shocking myself today. I we don't eat peanut butter at our house because my son's allergic, but we do like the wow butter. It's the exchange thing, and I could do uh-huh. that. I can see getting behind that. What's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not totally against it myself. I just don't know if that's the right application for peanut butter. I love peanut butter, and I will put it on almost everything. But I don't know about a burger. That just doesn't. I don't know. I Something like about it doesn't it. feel right. I like the idea. Something about it feels very comforting. And you're just like, you know what? We're all out of ketchup. I know what I have. And I have peanut butter. And then you grab a sugar sandwich and you take mine <laughs> and throw the fluffer nutter away. Okay, Mandy, this ruined my day. If you say okay to this, I'm going to be, it's going to be hard for me. Okay. Oh, God. The picture is okay. terrible, too. Mandy, avocado with honey. Oh, no, I have to draw the line there. Thank Mm -mm. you. No, that Mm -mm. mm -mm. I can't see that. I can't see that. I guess I have to have it explained to me how that's supposed to go together, because if it's just straight up avocado with honey on it that you eat, then that's a hard pass for me. I'm looking at it in a picture form of somebody just. No, I don't like that. I will say, though, that avocado is really good um, to add to things and you can easily hide the avocado flavor. Like, for example, I will make chocolate smoothies and I will put like, and I normally make this for my kid actually because he needs more protein than he ever gets. So I always make him like, I always try to make him healthy smoothies. And so I will put avocado in it and then also put cocoa powder and like yogurt and make it like a protein thing, but make it chocolate. And so chocolate actually hides avocado really well. So chocolate and avocado, I can get behind because I've done it before and I know that it tastes fine. Honey, I might be willing to try it, but I just... I don't know. I don't know about that one. Stick to your beeping nutter one. That one sounds good. Okay. So here's my last one that I have. And this one, I feel like I've heard a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people say they do it. I've heard people talk about doing it. I've never to this day tried it. And I just don't think I'm going to because I just am not about it. But a lot of people like it. Melissa. Yes. Watermelon with salt on it. Oh, so good. There's absolutely no other way to eat what? Eat it. Yeah. So good. Perfect. Why? What, is it, what makes it good? Because it's got salt on it. it. I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> I could eat salt by itself. It doesn't even matter to me. Somebody. Well, then why don't you just do that? <laughs> well, because I want the sweet with it. I don't know what it is. Somebody told me about, I think growing up, I saw people doing that. It's like peanuts in a Coke bottle. Did you do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So similar, like those people have told me that. Um, and so, yeah, I've done done watermelon with, um, like my family would tell me to do that. Watermelon with salt. It's really good. I can't oh, believe you haven't funny. tried that. That seems really right up your alley. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I should give it a try. Yeah. I've also, I also had on my list mango with chili powder, which is kind of the same thing, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a way, but like. I don't know. Maybe I would like it. Maybe I should try fruit with either spicy or salty. I think you would actually really like that. Yeah, I I was really expecting you to go wild with that one. The last one I have is one I will die behind because it's one of my favorite things is, um, well, this is peanut butter and jelly, but any sandwich with chips on it, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I did grab one for our friends down under real quick. Um, Okay. Ready? (laughs) Get excited about this one. It's not musk. Um, but Vegemite <laughs> or Marmite with pasta and cheese. Ew. No. I respectfully <laughs> will say no because I don't know. That sounds like 
it's I don't know. It's that's a lot. We tried Vegemite the one time and it tastes straight up like a pasty vitamin. So I don't know why you would want to eat that on purpose or why you would intentionally include that as an ingredient because it just tastes like a vitamin. So it doesn't really taste great. No, Vegemite pasta doesn't sound good to me at all. I respect your decisions to do that, um, <laughs> but I feel like much like I- IBS, that would ruin my night. It would just be terrible. I could not eat that. Right? No. no, thank you. Pass. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think those were great and disgusting at the same time, but they were great. And <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So let us know if you eat any of those weird things um, and- I'll be waiting to find out if anybody eats. Wait, what if was you the eat one? the beeping I... beep sandwich, let us know. But if, like, if you, yeah, if you eat the peanut butter fluffernutter. No, you can't keep doing it like that. It's getting worse somehow. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you eat any of these weird things. And yeah, I. I don't really. I'm gonna try salt on watermelon. Oh, that's, that's so good. That's a, that's gonna be a personal goal that I have. A personal goal to try okay. salt on watermelon. Don't go crazy. I've been trying to read a book for like three years. <laughs> You're yeah. just like watermelon and salt. <laughs> My goal is to eat something. Yeah, there you go. I could do that. Give me one. All righty. Perfect. All right. Well, that was the episode for this week, and we hope you guys enjoyed it. And we will be back next time. Same. Oh wait, nope. You same time. Off. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much. <laughs>